Chapter Eight of California Sketches by Oscar Penn Fitzgerald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: An Interview. As I was coming out of the San Francisco post office one morning in the year eighteen fifty nine, a tall, dark-skinned man placed himself in front of me and, fixing his intensely glittering eyes upon me, said in an excited tone sir can you give me a half hour of your time this morning yes i replied if i can be of any service to you by so doing not here but in your office privately he continued i must speak to somebody and having heard you preach in the church on pine street i felt that i could approach you i am in great trouble and danger and must speak to some one his manner was excited his hand trembled and his eye had an insane gleam as he spoke we walked on in silence until we reached my office on montgomery street after entering i laid down my letters and papers and was about to offer him a chair when he hurriedly locked the door on the inside saying as he did so this conversation is to be private and i do not intend to be interrupted as he turned toward me i saw that he had a pistol in his hand which he laid on the desk and then sat down i waited for him to speak eyeing him and the pistol closely and feeling a little uncomfortable locked in thus with an armed madman of almost giant-like size and strength the pistol had a sinister look that i had never before recognized in that popular weapon it seemed to grow bigger and bigger have you ever been haunted by the idea of suicide he asked abruptly his eyes glaring upon me as he spoke no not particularly i answered but why do you ask because the idea is haunting me he said in an agitated tone rising from his chair as he spoke i have lain for two nights with a cocked pistol in my hand calculating the value of my life i bought that pistol to shoot myself with and i wonder that i have not done it but something has held me back what has put the idea of suicide into your mind i inquired my life's a failure sir and there is nothing else left for such a fool as i have been he said bitterly when a man has no hope left he should die i was making some reply when he broke in hear my history and then tell me if death is not the only thing left for me laying his hand upon the pistol as he spoke when he told me his name i recognized it as that of a man of genius whose contributions to a certain popular periodical had given him a wide fame in the world of letters he was the son of a venerable new england bishop and a graduate of harvard university i will give his story in his own words as clearly as i can in 1850 i started to california with honorable purpose and high ambition my father being a clergyman and poor and greatly advanced in years i felt that it was my duty to make some provision for him and for the family circle to which i belonged and of which i was the idol animated by this purpose i was full of hope and energy on the ship that took me to california i made the acquaintance and fell into the snares of a beautiful but unprincipled woman for whom i toiled and sacrificed everything for eight years of weakness and folly never remitting a dollar to those i had intended to provide for at home carrying all the while an uneasy conscience and despising myself 
i made immense sums of money but it all went for nothing but to feed the extravagance and recklessness of my evil genius tortured by remorse i made many struggles to free myself from the evil connection that blighted my life but in vain i had almost ceased to struggle against my fate when death lifted the shadow from my path the unhappy woman died and i was free i was astonished to find how rapid and how complete was the reaction from my despair i felt like a new man the glowing hopes that had been smothered revived and i felt something of the buoyancy and energy with which i had left my new england hills i worked hard and prospered i made money and saved it making occasional remittances to the family at home who were overjoyed to hear from me after my long and guilty silence i hadn't the heart to write to them while pursuing my evil life i had learned to gamble of course but now i resolved to quit it for two years i kept this resolution and had in the meantime saved over six thousand dollars do you believe that the devil tempts men i tell you sir it is true i began to feel a strange desire to visit some of my old haunts this feeling became intense overmastering my judgment and conscience protested but i felt like one under a spell i yielded and found my way to a well-known gambling hell where i lost every dollar of my hard-earned money it seems like a dream i seemed to be drawn on to my ruin by some invisible but resistless evil power when i had lost all a strange calm came over me which i have never understood it may have been the reaction after nights of feverish excitement or possibly it was the unnatural calm that follows the death of hope my self-contempt was complete no language could have expressed the intensity of my self-scorn i sneaked to my lodgings feeling that i had somehow parted with my manhood as well as my money the very next day i was surprised by the offer of a lucrative subordinate position in a federal office in san francisco this was not the first coincidence of the sort in my life where an unexpected influence had been brought to bear upon me giving my plans and prospects a new direction has god anything to do with these things or is it an accident i took the place which was offered to me and went to work with renewed hope and energy i made a vow against gambling and determined to recover all i had thrown away i saved every dollar possible pinching myself in my living and supplementing my liberal salary by literary labors my savings had again run high up in the thousands and my gains were steady the fraser river mining excitement broke out an old friend of mine came to me and asked the loan of a hundred dollars to help him off to the new mines i told him he should have the money and that i would have it ready for him that afternoon after he had left the thought occurred to me that one hundred dollars was a very poor outfit for such an enterprise and that he ought to have more then the thought was suggested yes sir it was suggested that i might take the hundred dollars to a faro bank and win another hundred to place in the hands of my friend i was fully resolved to risk not a cent beyond this the idea took possession of my mind and when he came for the money i told him my plan and proposed that he accompany me to the gambling hell he was a free and easy sort of fellow and readily assented
we went together and after alternate successes and losses at the faro bank it ended in the usual way i lost the hundred dollars i went home in a frenzy of anger and self-reproach the old passion was roused again a wild determination to break the faro bank took hold of me i went night after night betting recklessly until not a dollar was left this happened last week can you wonder that i have concluded there is no hope for as weak a fool as i am he paused a moment in his rapid recital pacing the floor with his hand on the hammer of the pistol which he had taken up now sir candidly don't you think that the best thing i can do is to blow out my brains said he cocking the pistol as he spoke the thought occurred to me that it was no uncommon thing for the suicidal to give way to the homicidal mania the man was evidently half mad and ready for a tragedy that pistol seemed almost instinct with conscious evil intention if a suicide or a homicide was to end the scene i preferred the former how old are you i asked aiming to create a diversion i am forty-five he answered apparently brought to a little more recollection of himself by the question i should think i continued having arrested his attention that whatever may have been your follies and however dark the future you have to face you have too much manhood to sneak out of life by the back door of suicide the shot struck an instantaneous change passed over his countenance suicide appeared to him in a new light as a cowardly not a heroic act he had been fascinated with the notion of having the curtain fall upon his career amid the blaze of blue lights and the glamour of romance and the dignity of tragedy with the wonder of the crowd and the tears of the sentimental that was all gone the suicide was but a poor creature weak as well as wicked he was saved he sunk into a chair as he handed me the pistol which i was very glad indeed to get into my hands you should be ashamed of yourself sir i continued you are only forty-five years old you are in perfect health with almost a giant's strength a classical education extensive business experience and a knowledge of the world gained by your very mistakes that should be a guarantee against the possibility of their repetition a brave man should never give up the battle the bravest men never give up give me the pistol he said quietly you need not be afraid to trust me with it the devil has left me i will not act the part of a coward you will hear from me again permit me to thank you good morning i did hear from him again the devil seemed indeed to have left him he went to british columbia where he prospered in business and got rich became a pillar in the church of which his father was one of the great lights and committed not suicide but matrimony marrying a sweet and cultured english girl who thinks her tall yankee husband the handsomest and noblest of men End of chapter eight